Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. Tonight I want to speak to you. Don't you listen to your radio? No, I'd like to talk to you tonight. I could listen to you talk all night. Welcome to the night. Mr. Bradley. Bradley Jason L. Next caller, you're on the air. While the we will find you searching for communication. Find it on this radio station. Everybody's too to Jay Talking. Jay Talking. WBZ. WBZ. Bradley Jay back in the saddle here. You are Jay Talking. We're live midnight to five. So I know a lot of you are very much into language, culture, and borders, and how it's important to have a unifying language. I couldn't agree more. And I know that when you talk about language being strong and unifying, that you're talking about immigrants coming in and learning the doggone language. But I'm going to talk about uh, things internally, sort of. Like many of us either never learned the language or forgot the language. My situation was that I had an eighth-grade teacher who was great in many ways, she didn't believe in teaching grammar. So I had this big hole in my my grammar knowledge that I struggle with, actually. And uh, it occurs to me that in this day of social media, we've sort of lost our way when it comes to being able to communicate effectively. And a lot of you old school folks are really like the language the way it's supposed to be. They're going to be psyched because Josh Lappin is here. He's an eighth grade English teacher at Dexter Southfield School in Brookline, Massachusetts, which I understand is a really good school, Josh. Yes, it is. It's, it's an excellent school. I'm very lucky, very lucky. And you have multiple jobs over there. I do. Uh, I'm, the, uh, I'm the middle school academic dean, and um, I'm also lucky enough to teach uh, eighth grade English uh, when I'm not doing my administrative work. And um, when I'm not doing that, I'm the middle school cross-country coach. And... Uh, First thing in the morning, what I do, though, is I get on a school bus and I drive a school bus into work. So you do it all? I try to do a little bit. of It's other duties as assigned, is what, is what we like to say in the independent school world. So you're an administrator, but you're also a bus driver. You see things at all levels, which must be kind of valuable. It's, it's, well, we're, I love thinking of us, uh, our school as a special place, and uh, a, a big part of that is, is driving the bus in the morning. Um, you know, most, most teachers don't get a chance to do that first thing in the morning. And we're a pre-K through 12 school, so... I, I get a chance to, you know, first thing in the morning, see, you know, kids as young as kindergarten get on the bus, and I get to, you know, get those kind of relationships, and then also the upper schoolers, as well as the middle schoolers that I teach. So, you know, you, you end up seeing kids for many, many years, eventually you graduate. And you teach English, English grammar. Yes. I like all that stuff, because I, you know, for one thing, I have to communicate via Facebook and Twitter for work, and it's embarrassing to my company. If I make a mistake, it's embarrassing to me. We sort of talked about why it's important. I talked about why it's important, why grammar is important. What would you give as a reason grammar is important? Well, 
the when we teach our students, we we are all assuming that they're going to go off into the world and and have jobs where they they need to communicate as clearly and as effectively as possible. Uh, and the, the fact of the matter is, you you already said it is that we need we need a rule book, and the rule book isn't there to make life more difficult. The rule book is there to make life easier. And uh, rather than get frustrated when we make mistakes, we should just look to the rule book for for ways to 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 get better. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that there are a lot of things in grammar that are not crystal clear. There's there's no uh, there's no hard fast rule for certain things, uh, and language is always evolving. But we should subscribe to some common rules just to make sure that we're all playing on the same on the same page. When when we when we um, when we go uh, adrift and uh, we decide to intentionally not play by these rules, our communication loses merit. Okay. I would think that, well, if I were a hiring person, the commu- how the person communicated would, would be really of paramount importance you, because you can glean from that whether or not they have their act together, whether they have attention to detail, whether they will embarrass you when they write some, something That's right. or when they speak. And all, I, I would think if, if I were hiring, that would be more important than, well, really, it would override a lot of stuff on a resume. Big time, big deal. And if somebody came in my office and started saying like a lot, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I would not hire them if there was somebody else that did not say like a lot. Do you chastise or instruct your students Against that kind of thing, chastise is a pretty strong word. So no, I, I generally don't chastise them. But well, how do you I, define chastise? Well, I don't get upset at them. Okay, uh, but I but I, I would bring it to their attention. How um, would you do that? Just simple, any simple way. There's no one particular way. It, it, you know, one of the things about being a middle school teacher is you always have to look at one student at a time. You have to look at the whole child, and you can't take one certain approach and have it apply to all, all, right. all students. So it would depend. Let's take random Johnny. Or <laughs> take me. I say like a lot. How might you I would, communicate uh, to me that that's not good? I would probably uh, start by smiling <laughs> to, to make it more comfortable. And then I may repeat back to little Johnny what he just said and, and say, uh, you know, you, and I would start using like as well and, and say it maybe a bit louder so that so it's like, obvious. Hey, Johnny, like, hey, like how are you like uh, today, exactly, John? Exactly. Yeah? exactly. So that's, and, and, that's a form of shaming. Uh, well, it can be. I like be. shame. I it think can, shame is a powerful, can, powerful thing. Yeah, it is. It's all about in the moment and, and, and knowing and knowing the, okay. the student. Uh, game time conditions, on the field conditions. Okay. I suppose. But I'll tell you, I've, I've listened to uh, grammarists. I, I listen to podcasts about grammar when I get a chance to, uh, just to keep me fresh. And some of the best ones, when they do live interviews like we're doing right now, and I just use like correctly. Yes. Uh They'll say it. They'll say like it, it, just because it's part of their everyday discord. But and that doesn't make it right. It's it does right. not it's make it right. It's still wrong and it's still bad. It's still wrong. We should try as hard as we can to stay away from it. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, like, like I just said, grammar is uh, and language evolves and it's hard to escape certain things. I'm starting to see people in important positions, government, government positions, yes, corporate positions start to say like, 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 <laughs> like a, as a, you know, a middle school person would. Yes, and it's disturbing, killing me. What else do you see popping up that should that is uh, infecting speech? Like and what else? Uh, the one that comes to mind first would probably be actually. I I know the exact answer to that, uh, Bradley. There's there's one word out there that's just being destroyed right now, 
that I'll, I'll again, I, 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 I do love our middle school kids. They're wonderful. But it, but it <laughs> drives right. me. Any parents listening? It drives me. Them. It drives me mad how much they use the word literally. Oh, they they don't. It seems as if we're just forgetting what the word means because uh, I I will hear students say on a regular basis things such as, "I am literally starving." Well, that's no. definitely not right. No, <laughs> that's definitely not right. I think what you may be, may be saying is that. Um, I am figuratively starving. Figure, you're, you're saying exactly the wrong thing is what's happening. when you, when you The way people – people are using liter, literally as if they're trying to say very. And now in writing, this is just me asking you, isn't it more powerful to not use words like very? What do you call a word like very? It would be an adverb. You don't need to say, I am very upset. I mean, I – Yep. It's an adverb, but – is a larger collection of words like that. I guess just adverb would be fine. It's an adverb. People overuse adverbs, right? You you can uh, correct my. Uh, I would like to do more research on this, but my understanding is that, uh, in particular, Stephen King uh, has has had um, has gone on a crusade against the overuse of adverbs, and yeah. and he does not. People are so prone to saying very so often. That it, it, you lose, you you, you make lose everything. the power of the word. Exactly, exactly. I was extremely upset. That's how why. If you just, I was upset. Right. So, Josh, write it. I guess the very crux of it, the parts of speech. There are eight of them. There are eight. All right. Good to know. See, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. The the eight parts of speech include the noun, the pronoun, the verb. Adjective, adverb, preposition, conjunction, and interjection. And, okay. Yeah. And then there are also articles uh, such as a, uh, an, and the, which uh, some people consider okay. to be the ninth part what of What was speech. the first department there? Uh, noun. A noun is the name of a person, place, or thing. Very good. That's it. Cut and dried, right? Or an idea. Or an idea. But an idea is a thing. Well, the textbooks nowadays separate the two. Okay, sure. really? Yeah, back in, back in our day, we said person, place, or thing, but now the textbooks- Person, place, idea. or thing- uh, or idea. Idea. So a democ break that democ out. democracy is an idea. All right. So that's a proper noun. Okay. What's next? Well, noun and a verb. Actually, it's not a proper noun. Uh, a verb. A verb is uh, an action. A pronoun is going to take the place of a noun. Uh, a verb is an action. Important to know. Yep. There's there's uh, there are action verbs and linking verbs. There's helping verbs. So um, action verbs and linking verbs. We used to say act. There's a, a action and state of being. That's the way it used to be taught. I am, right? Uh, that I would be am a, that's this. a linking verb, yeah. A linking what verb. What I do is I, I teach my students to look at linking verbs as equal signs. So if you say uh, Bradley is happy, okay. Bradley equals happy. Interesting. We used to call that state of being. Sure. Okay. I mean, it's now called linking. Linking verbs and, and it, action verbs, yep. It is tantamount to being an equal sign. That's what I like to do. I, okay. I think if, if what I tell my students, if they can make it into an equal sign. I am hot. Bradley equals hot. Uh, the, the pie smells delicious. So smells in that case is a linking verb because it's linking pie to delicious. Now, if I said uh, Josh smelled the pie, then all of a sudden smelled becomes an action verb. Yeah. Okay. So you have to be careful. So this verb, then what's next? Pro. Uh, we have adjectives. Adjectives. Ad adjectives add meaning to a noun mm -hmm. and adverbs to a uh, verb. An adverb can describe an adjective, um, a verb, or another adverb. 
It's an example of adjective no, modifying boy. verb. And, ad- and adjectives don't know an adverb would modify a verb. All right. Quickly. An adjective can modify a noun, did you say? That was That's something- correct. Okay. Can you give me an example of that? Sure. Uh, Bradley uh, is a great talk show host. So great would modify host. And that's an adverb? You said adjective. That was an adjective. Oh, all right. What's next? So adverb, again, describes an adjective, an adverb, or a verb. Then there's the preposition. um, And prepositions have the most uh, ambiguous definition. They describe a relationship between two things. Preposition. Hmm? How about some examples of prepositions? Sure. Well, we actually have our students memorize them, but a word like in uh, is a preposition. Um, and so if I said the if I said the sentence in the beginning there was light, then in the beginning is a prepositional phrase, and the word in is the preposition. Okay. So let's take a look at that. The word preposition. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It preposes something. I suppose that's a good way of looking at it. It doesn't. It's like suppose only it preposes it. Sure, but the, it sets the stage for it somehow. Sure, in, in the uh, you know in this case, in the beginning, light and beginning have a relationship, and in helps us describe the relationship between the light. That's that's uh, getting that's hard. Well, it that's is in the, because down the fuzzy road for me. Yeah, because well, the thing about it is that their prepositions begin what's called the prepositional phrase, and there are two different types of prepositional phrases. There's the adjective prepositional phrase, and there's the adverb prepositional phrase. So I can give you two examples. Okay. Uh, if I said to you, the start of the race is happening, of the race is your prepositional phrase, and it's describing the word start. Okay. Okay. And then if I said, in, well, I'll do the example I just did, in the beginning there was light, this is actually helping to describe the was. It's helping describe the, the linking verb was, the process that went through, so to speak. Okay. So have we covered the preposition? Preposition. Conjunction. Conjunction. Um, you know, easy way to remember the conjunctions is fanboys, uh, for, and, nor, etc. cetera. Uh, there are different types of conjunctions, coordinating conjunctions, correlative conjunctions, subordinate conjunctions, but this is what ties, these, these are what tie long sentences together. For, give me a nice long sentence. Oh, sure. With a conjunction. Sure. Um, let's find a good one here. How about, uh, uh, I'll just go back to what I did before. Bradley J is an outstanding host, comma, and tonight he has Josh Lappin as his guest. So the word and was a very common uh, coordinating conjunction. Those were, those were two independent clauses that were connected by a, a conjunction okay. and a comma. Let's take a look at the comma there. And we didn't talk about comma use in our pre... No, we can talk for... That's huge, comma use. Like there's, there's comma inflation now, right? Well, yes. People sticking commas in there when they don't need to be. For example, let's take a look at that sentence. Bradley J is an outstanding talk show host. <laughs> comma. Why is there a comma there? There's an and. Why do you need a real comma? Well, in the sentence that I gave you, those were two independent clauses, and they needed to be joined by a comma and a conjunction. And? A d- or you just end the sentence with a period, uh, and you start a new sentence. Do you really need a comma? He was this and this. Does, does there need to be a comma anytime there's an and? No, no, there doesn't. You don't that that rule doesn't exist. And okay, so and can be a, conjunctions can can be used in a number of different ways. So why were, in this one did it need a comma? Outstanding talk show host and this. Sure, will be the after the talk show host uh, clause was finished. I started a complete thought. Okay. Now, if I didn't start a complete thought, this is why it's important to, to, to for us to understand what you intended. 
That's correct. Because the complete thought can be, he was this and this, and you would not need a, a comma. I'll give you another one. My children should go to sleep, comma, but they don't have school tomorrow. So that's those were two independent clauses. My children should go to sleep. That's a complete thought. It has a subject right. and a predicate. Um, and then uh, they don't have school tomorrow is also a complete thought. And it was broken up with a comma and a conjunction. Okay, what about my children are tired and crabby? You don't need a comma there. Nope. And my, that, help me understand the difference. Well, the, well you, you separated two different parts of the sentence. Oh, what you separated were, were two predicate adjectives, and you don't use a comma in that case. They equal tired, they equal crabby. And there's no need to separate that because a lot of people, I think the, what it comes down to is that it feels like there's a hesitation. That's, that's the thing is that people have this in their mind that, well, you know, I, we can use commas because I want to make a pause. You, and so you, you, you a pause, pause there or not really. And if, if what you're trying to do is be dramatic, then that's great. Then you should really focus your writing on, on each word, choose your words carefully and, and try to make, tell us the best story that you can with whatever it is you're trying to communicate. But, but don't lean on punctuation to do your work for you because that's not how good writing works. All right. So you could say, Brother Jay, is this and that without a comma if you intended the this and the that to be lumped together. That's right. In if you did not intend to pause. That's right. Okay. That's right. There's, there's a lot of other reasons why someone— I'm trying to get away from excessive comma use. Well, it, yeah, you can't just throw a comma wherever you want. So here's comma. the thing. Yeah. Fix the, uh, decide this once and for all. The three things— here are three things. Thing one, thing two, and thing three. Yep. How many commas? Well, if, we, if you can thing one, thing two and thing three. Is that two are there two commas or one? Let me give you a sentence uh, with three things in it. It'll it'll be uh, three names. Daisy, comma, Jack, comma, and Molly are warm and cozy in their sweaters. <laughs> Period. Daisy so there's a comma. I just came up with those names randomly. Yeah. Jack <laughs> Those are my dogs. That's very cool. <laughs> so my wife and I follow you on. Can you Instagram. say that again? Daisy, comma Jack, comma and Molly are warm and cozy in their sweaters. But what I had there are called items in a series. Some people put a comma after the final one too, right? And they should never that, do that. That's, they do it, and that's incorrect. That is incorrect. Now, what there is an option. Say there's three items in a series. Uh, the, there is an option of not having a comma. Uh, after the second one, but, right? But we all choose what what we subscribe to at Dexter Southfield is is the Oxford comma. We feel that a comma there is the most helpful. It's it's a stylistic thing. In, in the Associated Press, it's not required, but you run a risk. And I can give you an example as to what would happen. Things can go wrong if you don't. Okay. Sometimes if you don't use the Oxford comma, <laughs> things can go terribly wrong. Well, here here's my example. Maybe I'll read this sentence to you, and I'm not going to say where the comma is. And we'll just take it from there. So here's the sentence. People who inspire me include my two children, Winston Churchill and Mother Teresa. Okay. Now, now, hold on. So I, I could, if if I didn't use the Oxford comma and I, I paused, you know, when I did get to a comma, it would, it would sound a bit like this. People who inspire me include my two children, Winston Churchill and Mother Teresa. Yeah, one way it sounds like your kids are... Winston Churchill and Mother Teresa. I did not name my two children okay. Winston Churchill and Mother it's Teresa. It's interesting. There's a, it's correlated kind of to the parentheses in algebra to me to see which things are grouped together. Right. And which are which are not. That's a that's a good analogy. Interesting. Okay. What else about comma use? Because uh, I see wild abuses of commas. Sure. Uh, well, you, probably. 
I think the, the the fact that so many people think it's a pause is uh, is uh, is probably the biggest culprit. Um, but but I, the other piece is sometimes they're just long sentences and people feel like you need to have a comma uh, in there just to break up your sentence. And that's just not the way you should write. You should instead look at your sentence and decide maybe it needs to be uh, two shorter sentences instead of just trying to okay. make it work with the comma. Is it acceptable to start a sentence with and or but? No. You don't want to start. Never. Well, again, I say that, but I mean, we all have read you know, major works that have established authors that do it. So but they're might, breaking a rule knowingly, knowingly, and they're boldly. doing it. They're doing it quite well because boldly. they've established themselves in other ways. And I, the, when I, when I'm, I, you have to remember, I'm an eighth grade teacher, so I would not teach my students who haven't gotten to that level to start a sentence with "and" or "but." And then when they get to become professional writers, they can do a number of different things differently. So instead, you'd say, "How about however?" However is good. However, as the beginning of a sentence, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's fine. It, but but and or but generally speaking is just not looked upon as being the best possible writing. But uh, you know if you if you put um, if you put it let me try the sentence with you. If I said um, my sister comma Jane comma works for a car company, uh, that tells you something very different than if I said my sister Jane works for a car company. Those are actually two completely different sentences. Mm -hmm. The first one when I did commas around Jane, that was putting Jane as a non-essential phrase or word, and it lets you know that I actually have only one sister. But if I did not put commas there, then I would change the the I would change the uh, sentence completely, and you would you would read that and say, well, well, Josh must have more than one sister. How do, I'll ask you this because I just thought of it and sure. don't want to forget it. How do you deal with the social media laziness as? Like LOL, do you have any instruction, direction uh, to your kids on the use of that stuff? Sure. I I think, and where would we be if we didn't have social media right now? I, I, I don't ever want to become the, the person that says that we shouldn't, we shouldn't have these things available to us. Uh, as an eighth grade English teacher, I can say that I use social media. I, I generally, me personally, I, I don't ever write LOL. I don't really like it. Um, right. There's other acronyms that I, I don't subscribe to either, uh, but I don't have a problem with it uh, because it's it's become a form of communication that can work quite well. It, my problem is uh, that everything needs to be in moderation, and you need to be able to transition to other forms of writing. And you certainly would never do LOL uh, in any type of formal writing, whether it's an email or a paper. Do you try to encourage them to write in a formal way, even on social media? Because back to LOL, sure. what that is and all that stuff is. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is a vanillaizing, a blanding, a beijing of the language. It, take, it takes the, the color, the juice right out of it. The magic is just this one, if you will, it's like one big bleh. <laughs> well, the thing about it is I think when we hear the word social media, we automatically think of the most informal type of writing possible. But the fact is, is that I think as you said this, is that we all have jobs now where we have to write online. As a teacher, I have to write online. Yeah. We, we have what are called learning management systems, and I have 
I, I post all of my homework online, and I have I have explanations as to what I expect my students to do. So I need to make sure that I'm modeling that the right way. Yeah, and anybody who gets a job, part of that job will probably be writing. Maybe you may be expected to tweet on behalf of your company. At least all people on air here, they're they're expected to be active in social media. But you don't want to be sloppy because you don't no. want to, you're representing your company. And we also actually at our school we've we've allowed students to use social media to uh, to comment on things like sports contests. They go to an away game and they get on a a Twitter handle that has their school name on it. And they they give us updates for away games, and it's actually really really helpful. So we see it we see it, and and other schools do it even more than that. But generally speaking, that's usually where we stop. Um, so we give them plenty of opportunities to it. It's it is a tremendous responsibility. It is incredibly effective communication uh, when it's done the right way. Think how much better I would have been today if I had gone to your school. Yeah. We like <laughs> we like to think you know our, we our school's been around for a while and 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 we like to think that in terms of writing skills and in other foundational skills that we give our students a head start in in a couple different areas. So Michael Coyne is the dean of the Massachusetts School of Law who comes he's a treasured friend and guest and he says the number one thing that people do not bring to the table is the ability to write. That's exactly right. And I, that's I, a, a hobbling thing. I, I've heard it from, I've been to a conference, I, I can, I, about three years ago I went to the um, National Association of Independent School Conference when I was in Boston. We had this incredible panel of four college presidents speaking in front of this gigantic crowd. And they all spoke to us for about 45 minutes about how students become independent and how they really want them to uh, arrive on campus independent and ready to work. And that was the theme of the entire conference, if I remember correctly. Um, but one of them, uh, in the middle of it, just said, before we go any further, one more thing. Please make sure they know how to write. Yeah. And most, and that's not a thing you see all the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's sometimes assumed that with practice, just, just practice by itself, uh, students will become better, but the kind of guidance that you need, you know, one of the things I hear all the time is, why do you still teach grammar? Uh, you know, there's, it's, it's outdated. Uh, you know, are, are students really becoming better writers from doing the kind of exercises that you're making yes. them do? Yes, answer and is yes. The answer is absolutely yes, because what we're doing here is we're studying how to build a sentence. And you can't build a good paragraph until you know how to build a good sentence. You, and you, certainly you can't build a paper until you have a paragraph. What we like to think at our school, I don't mean to turn this into a commercial, but, but what we like to think at our school is that what, uh, by the time you've, you've left eighth grade, uh, at Dexter Southfield, you've mastered the essay. That that there's no that's the, sweet. the one paragraph essay. There's no you know that's 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 that's, that's done. Uh, so by the time you get into and you've actually already started your three paragraph and five paragraph essays, and you've gotten pretty good at those two. By the time you get into high school, you know your teacher shouldn't have to teach you about what a uh, you know what a, a thesis statement is. You how know, to, in how college, to make a I never wrote a decent paper. I didn't <laughs> I didn't get what they were looking for. I was just bad at it. I didn't have the background for it. That's well. And to be fair, I think that happens more than we know. And and what what happens is is that the students that want to take writing seriously arrive in college and they figure it out because they want to figure it out. And they're at an age where they've they've developed their brain is developed to a certain level where they know what they can do to get better. Uh, I, my my experience was not that different. I, when I arrived in college, my first few papers were pretty pretty low, and well, not that low, but they were not as good as I wanted them to be, and uh, pretty 
pretty quickly, I, I got to a point where I needed to figure things out, you know, and, and luckily for us, you know, we have, you know, such an incredible higher education system in this country. You don't have to look too far to get help. It's just taking that step. Okay. Now, what about the things called compliments? A compliment. Sure. Not the most exciting <laughs> grammar ever, we'll but get through this. yeah, sure. But it, it, when you have a compliment, you're talking about, um, Generally speaking, the stuff that happens is what's called the predicate. So all all sentences are 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 divided up into two pieces: the subject and the predicate. Yeah. And when you get to the predicate, you're 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 looking at some possibilities. Is the if you have a linking verb, then you're going to have either a predicate adjective or a predicate nominative. Those are two complements. Oh my God, it's getting complicated. <laughs> subject is what the, the thing that is doing the, the action is doing, doing the action. Doing the action. And the predicate is what. Well, it's everything but the subject. That's the easy. Oh, <laughs> That's okay. what I like to tell the students. And the every, object yeah. is the stuff that, that is that uh, the actions performed mm -hmm. by the subject are happening to. Sure. So, um, like the examples we did, linking verbs are equal signs. Uh, Bradley is excited. Okay, is is your linking verb. Excited is an adjective. It's the predicate adjective. Bradley equals excited. Bradley is a talk show host. Um, host is your predicate nominative. Bradley equals okay. host. That's the predicate adjective and predicate nominative. Now, what about colons and semicolons? I, I have a friend who says a semicolon is her favorite oh. because it is so very useful, and I guess it is. But how do I know whether to use a colon or a semicolon? So uh, it's divisive. <laughs> it's not really divisive, but there are people who love the semicolon, and there's people who, who, there are people who don't like the semicolon. Okay. I, I tend not to use the semicolon, uh, but there's really no good reason for that. I, I thought I, I heard you kind of. Chortle. Yeah. When you heard, my friend <laughs> likes the semicolon, you went, whoa. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I just tend not to use it, but there's no reason why I shouldn't. So it's, there's, there are two reasons to use a semicolon. The first is you would use it in, in place of a period uh, between two clauses if there's a close relationship uh, between the two clauses. So, for example, uh, here are two clauses. Bradley J. has a talk show. He is on the air now. So I, I could have separated those two clauses with a period if I really wanted yeah. to. I could have separated them with a semicolon because there's there there's a link between the two. They're very similar. I'm I'm continuing the thought. Okay. Then the second way you would do, do they have to be both complete sentences? Uh well it it you, you would put it where a period goes. Okay, so that would be a yes. So yes. So but then the other place you could do it is that say you have a sentence that already has a lot of commas in it. And you want to use some of your commas to do one action and then Others of your com other other commas do something different. Well, then you would probably want to break up your sentence with the help of some semicolons. Uh, so, for example, uh, I'll read you this whole sentence, and you can sort of see why semicolons will be helpful. Okay. I like loud, rowdy concerts, long, warm walks on the beach, and spicy, flavorful tacos. So I had commas in there, spacing out my adjectives, loud and rowdy, and then I would talk about something else that I liked. So I put a semicolon in there. To, to, to signify Where did you that. have the comma in loud and rowdy? I'll read it with, com I'll read it with punctuation yeah. this time. I like loud, comma, rowdy concerts. Semicolon. Long, comma, warm walks on the beach. Semicolon. And spicy, comma, flavorful tacos, period. Okay. Because if you use commas instead of the semicolon, you just have too many commas. And it would be confusing. Okay. We're going to talk about the run-on sentence, but first we figured since we talked about the semicolon, got to talk about the colon and its use and how it differs from the semicolon. Sure. So uh, 
a colon is is used to announce a list. So uh, if you, uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, another one. I taught Bradley about the fundamentals of teaching colon patience creative patience comma creativity comma and structure period. So if you're going to start listing something, you would, okay. you would end your sentence with a colon and then start your list. But the problem that people have is they feel that they need to right before the colon put some form of a verb and you don't you don't do that you just you just end your sentence use the colon and then you begin your list that's probably the most common way you'd use a colon can you tell me explain what you mean more about insertion of a verb give an example or something. sure so if i said the best towns in massachusetts are colon dedham comma Worcester, okay. comma and boston that is not that is not proper you would just say uh, you wouldn't start you wouldn't structure your sentence that way how would you structure it Again. Uh, there are great towns in Boston. The, the, there are three excellent towns. Oh, this is not coming out to sound great the way I wanted to. <laughs> My top, uh, I have uh, three favorite towns in Boston. Colon, Dedham, comma, Worcester, comma, and Boston. Uh, ah, three favorite towns in, in Massachusetts. Does that so make sense? You would not say I'm the three best myself. towns are, he would say. No, you would not. Okay, that's really valuable. The colon does, does work for you, so you, you, use, you use the colon. So that's redundant, really, if you have R and then a colon. That's right. Ah. So the other, the other way you'd use a... Uh, a colon. There's a few other ways, but the the mistake that people make is that they they think that um, you can just use a colon to as a period, and you really can't. But you can join two sentences uh, if there is the second sentence acts as an explanation. So my one of my favorite movie quotes of all time is from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I, you don't most teachers don't like to admit this, but you know I think that's a great movie. Don't skip school. Uh, but the, the quote is, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Now, if you look that quote up online, there's a period after fast. But there doesn't need to be. There could have been a colon there. Life moves pretty fast, colon. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. The second sentence helps explain the first. So is the, first, the second sentence a complete sentence? Yes, it, it is. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's... It doesn't really explain what it is. So it's not... No. No, but the it refers back to okay. life, and that's what makes a colon. And that's why there. the colon. So that's right. what makes that sentence okay. The colon, like the the second one. Would the second one be able to stand on its own without the? With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. First part in the colon. It would. It, okay. Yeah, because it has, it is a subordinate clause and then an independent clause. Okay. Right after this. Sandy, we'll get to you, but run-on sentence. How to, guidance on how long is too long? But what, what what is too long? Well, there's there's no, you know, great writers can write. You know, I read um, George. Uh, I, I've read. Well, I won't get into specific authors, but I've read books where you know an entire page is one sentence, and the greats can do that. So officially, there is no length. Okay. But do you tell eighth grade students that? No. You, you, you look out for run-on sentences and what some people will call sentence sprawl. So, for example, if I read to you, to you, he ran through the rain in the woods as fast as he could, all the while a wolf chased, chased closely at his heels but never came too close because the boy was so athletic. 
it, you know that that sounds like a wonderful scene, but you would you would have to finish writing that and take a look back and and make some hard decisions as to where uh, one sentence is going to end and another is going to begin. There's a guy named Charles Lacordera, who used to work with me at WBC and the Rock Station. He's a super stickler for language. He actually made that mistake, and I didn't call him out on it, even though he's called me out a bunch. I thought, is it worth it to make a start a war with Charles over grammar? No, it's not. But, Charles, is this you? I'm guessing he's in Hawaii. Uh, yes, it is, but but you know what? I'm, I'm not in Hawaii. I'm actually in Oakland, California, freezing my... Can I say ass on the radio? You can, oh. in this case, yes. Special dispensation. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I appreciate... I love that you're a stickler for English. I love seeing you chastise. I'm saddened when you cease to chastise. I even love when you chastise me. I'll have you know, I saw you make a mistake once on fewer and less, and I did not correct it because I figured it wasn't worthwhile. But I just thought you'd be interested to know that we care about grammar enough to have our great guest, Joshua Lappin, here, who's a teacher. I know. You know, um, I, Bradley, I, I was just about going to hit the sack. I'm, I'm out here, like I said, in Oakland. And today I literally bicycled 15 miles from uh, Oakland to the, the BART subway that took BART with the, you know, with the bike to, uh, to, uh, to, to San Francisco and then biked uh, across the, the Is this a run-on sentence example? He used literally correctly, by the way. I don't know if anybody else caught that, but he used I'm so glad. Literally. I literally <laughs> I like, did that. Wait a minute. You literally did. Listen, listen. Listen, I, I, know, I know I'm not, I've just been listening. I know I'm not supposed to say the word I, but I, I really did for the first, for the first time ever. I, I was, I was biked across the Golden State Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. And, uh, you know, that big red bridge, I, I bicycled across it, and the bridge is full of, have you guys ever done that? The bridge is full of all, all these bikes, and, and uh, some of them are amateur, and some of them are, they bike as a lifestyle, and they're going in and out. It's like crazy. It's like Japan and, and during the he's commute. Running on, anyway. He's running on sentence. He is. It's okay, though. So, <laughs> so Charles, what's up? So, <laughs> thank you for radio. checking in, Charles. What is your, what is your pet? Peeviest peeve. What, what is my... What, what is about, the thing that really I'm irritates sorry. you most that you see? Uh, I, you know, I mean, to me, it, the, uh, you know, when somebody says you're and you're, um, yeah. you know, when they mix up, when they mix up the stupid apostrophe, I mean, it's so simple. All they have to do is say the word you are and, and know that, that it stands for your and put the apostrophe there. But people, but let me ask you guys something, and I'm not sure whether you already talked about it, but what about the fact that texting now is, is becoming so predominant and, um, and a lot of times people do make typos because they text fast and then they press send before right. they get a chance to proofread it. So what do you guys think we, the, that all of, all of us, ooh, is it all of we? No, all right. of us, all of us people who are uh, grammar okay. conscious, are we going to go by the wayside now because times are changing and people just want to get the point across and it doesn't matter whether they say your or your or they spell their wrong? What do you think? Well, uh, I think you, the, the two things you just mentioned, the your versus your, 
uh, and texting is, I think those two things are directly related because you, you said it, you said it exactly that when you are texting, there's, there's an autocorrect feature and the autocorrect uh, moment that you have with your phone when you are texting is a lot different than the autocorrect moment or the spell check moment that you're going to have when you're typing up a paper on Microsoft Word. The fact is you're, you're in a different place. You're not sitting at your desk uh, thinking intellectually uh, necessarily when you're texting. You, I hope that's what you're doing when you're writing a paper or writing a business letter. One reason people, yeah, I sure. think one reason people are sloppy is that we do too much communicating now. You're communicating all day. You're trying to get one done to go on to the next one. And that, I think, spawns That's exactly right. inaccuracy. Bradley, Bradley, I think that makes you sound old. Well, I am. I, I, okay. It's fact, though. I mean, the fact is, is that if you, I mean, I, I'm not an expert in this, but it's cer <laughs> certainly if you think about how, how hard it was to write a book a hundred years ago compared to how hard it is to write a book today, it's, it's, it's very, we just have so many more tools at our at our at our uh, ex that are exposed to us, it's it's a totally different profession. You know, I, uh, so uh, what are you saying? Are you saying that it's it, that it, you, you're going to give them a pass when they when they uh, text and make mistakes versus when they sit down to write a book? That, sure. That is a whole. Di oh, okay. So no, no, I'm not going to so give. I'm not. I'm not going to give them a pass. I, I, I apologize if that came across that way. It's it's just that um, the, because there's so many different ways to communicate now. There, there are so many different opportunities to make mistakes, and I think that's that's what happened. The, the quality of our communication has gone down, but the amount that we can communicate has gone up. And I think that's, again, I'm a teacher, I'm not in the business world, but it seems to me that that there are that business in general uh, as as ex able to expand because we're able to communicate so much more than we were before. But the quality of that yeah, communication uh takes a hit. Uh, those who are, are writing professionally, we're all in this together. They probably subscribe to a similar lifestyle. Uh, they don't, their, their writing experience when they sit down to write is different than it was a long time ago. If, I, if I'm reading, and this is not about a, a writing a novel or a book, but if I'm a, an employer and somebody is sending, you know, sending me uh, some kind of a, a reference paper, a resume, and if I see there and you're sure. wrong, I'm 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 sorry. I'm not going to hire them. I, so I think people, for for no other reason than to know that you're judged, uh, maybe not by the whole world, but you're judged by a lot of people who are sitting around and they really notice stuff like that because they learned it in school, in high school. They learned it in college. They learned what the proper use of grammar was. And so these people are in a position to hire you. They're in a position to, to judge you. You know what I mean? I think I can, people judge you, people judge you by, I can, your, by your grammar. I can give you an example as to how I do this as Dean of Academics. One, one of my one of the parts of my job is to uh, proofread report cards and comments. And um, I, I read comments from all different types of teachers, science teachers, math teachers, English, et cetera. And we have extraordinarily good teachers at our school, and they're highly educated. They went to, they went to great colleges. But the people that come in to teach uh, English have different writing backgrounds than the ones that taught uh, that come in to teach science or math. So what, what what we do at our school is we we don't give anybody a pass, even though they're not Eng they don't come from an English background. We hold uh, the grammar expectations on on uh, on our report cards and our comments to be only of the highest quality. So my job is to go through and correct all 
any any grammar mistakes that may happen made by any teacher. And, I, and like I said, again, we have very capable teachers who write very well. It's just that they're not uh, necessarily, they don't have the kind of experience to to hold them up to the highest grammar expectations that we have. And what, what, reason- about, what about if what about if somebody uh, is giving an oral a kind of a, an exam or something, or somebody's standing up and they say height, H-E-I-G-T-H, or they say et cetera? Does, what does that make? What does that do to your gut when you're when you're hearing that? Somebody say hype. You ever? I've heard astronauts say hype. You know George W. Bush say a nuclear hype. Oh, uh, sure. You know et cetera, et cetera. These just verbally, people don't even get it. Yeah. No, I I know what you're talking about when when words are mispronounced, but. Uh... Yeah, it's 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 hard when you get it at the rate that we get it nowadays. It Charles, goes, you goes back to uh, we talked about. You, I liked it when you were correcting people on your page, but you sort of gave up on that, didn't you? Well, because a lot of people said, you know, why why are you doing that? I'm trying to make a point. You know, <laughs> why are you being so? You know, why are you being so uh, snarky, uh, curmudgeonly? It, and also, just know this, uh, I just had a birthday the other day, just know this, as you get older, and, and, and of course this has nothing to do with what you guys are talking about tonight, but as you get older, when you, when you do things, you are judged by your age, things that you would normally do at 20 or 25 or 28, all of a sudden you're doing it because you're old. Exactly. You know, you get off Get off my lawn, you know, they, they kind of, anyway. I right, if you, you said that when you're young, no problem. If you say it when you're old, it's because you're old. <laughs> well, twist, we have perspective. That's all. It's, it's... Yeah. Charles Laguadera, thank you so much for... It's an honor to speak with oh. you, sir, by the way. Just just want to throw that in there. I've listened to you before for many years, so th- I didn't expect this tonight. Thank you. Hey, thanks a lot, you guys. Mahalo, as they say in Hawaii. I'm, I'm going back to Hawaii on Tuesday, where I'll be nice and warm and cozy and... Then I'll see you guys in in Massachusetts, and uh, we'll start all over again. Bye-bye. Bye. Beautiful. Call from Charles, the Charles. Goodbye to our excellent guest. He's coming back, and I've decided the angle straight up. Pet peeves. Let's do it. We didn't have enough time for that. Bradley, thank you very much for having me. Josh, you're the best. And say hello to the folks out there, the parents and the kids. And tell the kids about the podcast and the parents, okay? It's WBZ. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.